everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Today's episode is going to be just a little bit different. I'm actually going to be sharing a recording of a recent sermon I gave last Sunday in my church, and it was all about spiritual gifts. So it's going to be a sermon about 20-something minutes long. You can follow along by opening up your Bible to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8, and we're going to just go verse by verse uh, exegetically exegetically i think no expositor i'm really messing up this word here but we're going to go verse by verse and talk about what the verse is saying and really break it down so if you're ready for a little time spent in the word and time spent in prayer i encourage you now uh, let's just turn off the phone except for this podcast turn off social media and just open your mind to god's word here at the end i'll be back to recommend another episode For an introduction, I'm going to share a funny story. <laughs> share a funny story. There was a, we once had a family friend, and I'm not going to expose her, but we'll call her Anna, okay? And one day, Anna went to Detroit to visit my mom's sister, and she brought with her a gift. I think it was like some jug or some pot or something like that. Um, it wasn't the best gift, but, you know, she brought it there. A couple of months later, my mom's sister then comes to visit my mom and brings that jug or the pot or whatever it was as a present to my mom. And then a couple of months later, my mom unknowingly came and brought the gift to Anna. <laughs> and when my mom told her sister that she gave that gift to Anna, her sister started laughing and she said, Anna gave me that gift and I didn't like it, so I gave it to you. And my mom didn't like it, so she gave it to Anna. And now it's gone full circle. It's a funny story. Um, but the point here is if you're giving a gift, you want it to be a well thought out one. And, and you hopefully want it to be accepted. And not just accepted, but you want the person to use it. And you want the person to use it for what it's for, not just to stay hidden you know, in a storage room or given to someone else. Because that means you didn't like the gift. So with that fun little story. I'm going to read today's passage from Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So we start off this passage and Paul says, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. So what does that mean? Well, the grace given to Paul means that there is a divine and undeserved favor that was given to him by God. That's what grace is, something that's undeserved and yet it's given anyways. Usually when we talk about grace, we contrast it with mercy, which is something that is deserved but is not given, like a punishment. Grace is the opposite. It's something that isn't deserved, but is given like a gift. 
Now, in this case, God has given Paul grace of spiritual authority, which means he has the authority to build and to speak and to convict and encourage and lead the churches. So why did Paul even set this up in the first place? Why did he not just jump in and say, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think? Well, I'm going to answer this question with, a, with an example. So Nicole has a piano teacher, and her piano teacher is like 90 years old. She's an old woman, but she's a very phenomenal player. She plays beautifully. She's been playing for a long, long time, but if the piano teacher uh, gives Nicole any advice on the piano, it's warranted. She's a, you can see she has authority. She plays well. She's been playing for decades. That advice is warranted. It makes sense to give. But one day, Nicole told her piano teacher that she was engaged. And her piano teacher decided, no, you cannot be engaged. Marriage is bad. Boy, bad. He take your money. He make you sad. Uh, you, you don't understand now. Husband is no good. Now, this is what we call unwarranted advice. Because you don't take advice from someone who does not have authority on a subject. And seeing that her piano teacher is a divorced lady who never had a happy marriage, she cannot possibly have an authority on how to lead a successful marriage. You can take advice from someone who you see the fruit in their lives. Obviously, Nicole's piano teacher has fruit in piano. That's where you see the fruit of her life. But she doesn't have fruit in leading a successful marriage. Oh, yes. I, I hope you have a better opinion now that... Maybe she That's funny. Yeah. So here, Paul is saying, by the grace given to me. In other words, he's identifying his authority to give the advice that he's about to give here, but he's doing it in a humble way, showing that he didn't set up this authority by himself, but this grace was given by God. And then he immediately says, don't think of yourself too important. Don't think of yourself too highly, but with sober judgment, according to the faith God has given to each of you. And this seems to be the prerequisite for understanding what the gifts are and how to use them. And one, this sober judgment that we're to think of ourselves helps us understand that apart from God, we are nothing. All the gifts that we have, the talents that we have, the money that we have, apart from God, it is nothing. And so not to think of ourselves too highly. Because if we do think of ourselves too highly and we have all this pride, then we can't actually use our gifts to serve God. Pride and service don't go well together. So when we think of ourselves with sober judgment, understanding that even our good deeds, the good things that we do, are the Spirit working through us and not anything that we have done inherently good within ourselves, it actually gives the Holy Spirit more room to work. And then he says, in accordance with the faith that God has given each of you, or God has assigned. Now, this is an interesting statement. It means that not saving faith that God has given, but a faithful stewardship. And again, he's coming back to the gifts. These gifts that he has given us are never for our own merit. They're not for us to use them so that we can be super successful and make lots of money and, and you know, buy lots of nice things and buy a Ferrari and whatever it is. 
the point of the gifts is for to build the church and to build and fulfill the role in the body of Christ. And once you understand what your gift is for, it's a faithful stewardship that you are to use it, and it's not for your own personal selfish reasons. It's given us to un an understanding, a prerequisite of what these gifts are before he tells us what they are. So we need to know what these gifts are for before we know what they are. Now, before he even goes into the gift, he uses one more example. He says, as in one body, there are many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So our body, don't know if you know this, your body has 12 major systems. There's the cardiorespiratory, which is the heart and lungs. And your heart and lungs are working together. Your lungs are taking in oxygen. Your heart is using that oxygen, pumping it to every organ, every muscle, every cell in your body, taking the carbon dioxide, giving it back to your heart, and then you are breathing that out. And that's happening every second, 60, 70 times a second, every, every minute. Then there's the urinary system, which controls the water balance that you have and sodium intake and removes waste from your blood. There's the reproductive system, which you know, helps you create offspring, but it also gives you essential hormones that you need to function well. Your digestive system, which processes food and absorbs nutrients and removes waste. The nervous system, which detects information. It's the brain and spinal cord, and it activates a bodily response and there's the muscular system, which helps you create movement at a joint. And all these systems, I only named like six of them, but all of these systems are working together flawlessly. They all are working together. And though they have their own function, they're doing something different, all of them. They're all working together to keep you alive and healthy and well. They're in harmony. And most of the stuff that your body is doing, you have no idea it's even doing it. It's all behind the scenes. You hardly know what's happening because it's all happening inside. And all of it, regardless of whether you know what's happening or not, it's all essential to having a healthy body. And the body of Christ is the same way. We should have different systems, different people who are doing different things some are visible and on the surface, like preaching and playing, whereas others are behind the scenes and you have no idea they're going on, but they are essential to the foundation of the church. Each of them are as essential as possible. And now, given this, Paul finally starts talking about what the gifts are. And he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, let us use them. And so... The first thing to understand here is all our gifts are different. No one has the same gift and the list, well, people do have the same gift, but the list that he is about to give here is not exhaustive. It's not all the gifts that there are. They're not limited to one person and limited to another. In fact, it's kind of better to understand the gifts kind of like a painting. You see that painting on the wall right behind my mom? There's some are cool, some are, they're all different, every single one of these here. So these gifts are kind of like a painting and God is the painter and he's using this color palette. Think of it like that. Like there's red, blue, green, orange, whatever the colors are. I didn't pass that primary school, but there's all these colors and God is using them to create something beautiful. And he's giving you that, that's, that's what the gifts are. 
And finally, the focus on this list is not by identifying what gift you have perfectly, but using what you have uniquely given to you to build his body and to build his church. So all of us have different gifts. And what Paul says is they're all according to the grace God has given us, just like he said at the beginning, by the grace I give to you, so also the grace given to us is what sparks these gifts. Now, he starts off with prophesying. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. A couple of weeks ago, Nicole was telling me about an account she saw on Instagram. And it was a very strange account. The, the lady had essentially, you know, I have the title coach. If you open my Instagram account, you'll see Coach Elie Samaha. That's what you see, because that's my job. I have a business and that's my business. Um, on this lady's account, her job was prophetess. And so she wrote, she's a prophetess, and that was her job. Uh, and she was like kind of selling it in a way. And you, you'd go on her videos and she would say, God told me to tell you this. And then she wrote a book about the secrets that no one knows about their faith and how to unlock these secrets. Now, this is not what prophecy is. Um, she's not a, well, she, I don't know. I don't think she's a prophetess. Uh, but prophecy is, in fact, the opposite. There are no secrets. You know, a lot of us think about prophecy as the Old Testament prophets on the streets saying, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, who created you, informed you, and sustained you. This is what he says. But actually, the word prophesy does not mean receiving a specific revelation, but it means proclaiming publicly. And that word of proclaiming publicly also can translate to preachers. Even the biblical prophets who spoke in the Old Testament to all of Israel were preachers. They often spent their entire lives proclaiming God's word, what he's already written down. And not everything that the prophets received were a direct revelation from God. Many times they were all just quoting the Old Testament or quoting what God had already said in the past. And that's kind of the same Thing that preachers do. We talk about what God's word already says. And this gift is meant to encourage obedience and also to give comfort in times of trouble. Now, we know also that there are acts uh, where cases of prophets predicting future events, that, that happens. But today, the evidence suggests that that revelation aspect where, you know, you're getting a specific revelation from God and you post it on social media and God told me to tell you this, the evidence is suggesting that's not really what's happening. Because if, it, if God really was telling you to tell someone this, it would be for the other person and not for yourself, not to amass an audience. So after prophesying, he moves to service. If it is to serve, then in our serving. And here the word service translates to the word deacon which in the Orthodox Church, there are deacons who help the priest out, but there's also a broader application, and it means any kind of service that someone can offer. And this is a very important gift that is often looked down upon by many people, and which shows why Paul included it and in telling himself about his humility at the very beginning. Philippians tells us that Jesus came and took the form of a servant. Jesus also tells us it is better to serve than to be served. 
And he tells us also that the greatest among us will be a servant. It's amazing because he says the greatest among you will be your servant, whereas the world tells you that those who serve, you can look down on them. You, people today, you see them looking down on a waiter or looking down on someone who cleans after them or like you feel like you're more important than them. But Jesus says, he who humbles himself will be exalted and he who exalts himself will be humbled. And people may look down on people who serve them for cleaning after them or whatever it is. But Jesus says, and Paul says, if your gift is to serve, then to serve. He moves on to teaching. If it is to teach, then teach. And this gift is very similar to the gift of prophesying, but it differs a little bit. Teaching is the ability to interpret and clarify and explain and even systematize God's truth, what he reveals in his word, clearly. Teaching, yeah, Tony does it quite well. He, he was a teacher, so you may not be a prophet, but you may be a teacher. Why not? Exactly, prophetess. But teaching is expository, meaning you are going verse by verse and explaining each verse and its significance and drawing out a lesson. Then we have the one who exhorts, or in another translation, if it is to give encouragement, then give encouragement. There are some people in our lives who you come and you tell them good news, like this amazing news, and they react in a boring and mundane way. Like if you come in and say, I'm not giving this example because my parents are like this, just for the sake of an example. If you come to your parents and you say, I got a 95 on the test, and they're like, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, but then there are other people who you come and you get, I got a 95 on this test, and they're like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Good job. And it makes you feel good. And those people have a gift. That gift is encouragement. Not everyone has that gift. These people are essential because when times are good, they're able to encourage you and make you feel good. And when times are bad, they're able to bring joy and life and hope and peace despite the circumstances. Then we have the one who contributes to give generously or if it is giving, then give generously. Giving is a gift, interestingly enough. Now, I want to distinguish what makes this a gift from some random person who gives. And the best way to do that is looking at Mark 12, 41 to 44. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. He called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all all of those who are contributing to the box, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of poverty, has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. And that's the difference between someone who gives regularly and someone who has the gift of giving. Most people give out of their abundance. You know, they see a homeless person on the street, there's a couple extra dollars in the cup holder, they give that person some extra dollars or whatever it is. Or, you know, maybe there's a $5 in their wallet, so they give that. But the person who has the gift of giving gives sacrificially. There's a sacrifice involved. It's often at their own expense. With this lady, she put in everything that she had. That's a sacrifice. 
meaning she didn't know where her next where her next meal was going to come from. She didn't know, but she gave it anyways. And God says that he loves the cheerful giver. And I recently read a quote. It also said, Blessed is the one who has lots of money and yet does not love money. This person can do lots of good in the world. Then we have the next one. If it is to lead, then lead with zeal or lead diligently. Now, leadership is a gift that many of us have, especially, you know, husbands, you're the leaders of your families. Teachers are leaders of their students. Pastors lead their congregation. But Paul tells us that there are some who have natural leadership gifts given by God and to use them diligently or with zeal, which means it has to be thorough and well and with ambition and showing care towards one's duties. The opposite of this would be doing it lazily or doing it you know, without any care. The leader has a big responsibility, and that's to shepherd his flock, and God takes that very seriously. If a husband doesn't lead his family well, that's a responsibility that he has failed to live up to. If a pastor doesn't lead his congregation well, that's a responsibility he failed to live up to, and that's him not using his gift wisely. And finally, we have, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And this is a gift that many people lack. And we often have mercy on ourselves and on our loved ones, but we ignore the rest of the world. So to give an example of this, imagine that you're driving towards a road and you decide you're stopping at the light, okay? Across the road, you see someone speeding towards the intersection. They get caught in the middle. Two cars come and crash. An enormous fire starts, and this big crash happens, and the police come, and they find this man was a drunk driver. And immediately, you begin to condemn him in your mind. What kind of idiot would get behind the wheel of a car drunk? That's so stupid. Shame on him. He deserves to go to prison for his entire life. But then... Imagine that this man was your brother, or your son, or your father. Now, immediately, instead of condemning him, you feel mercy. You want to understand, why was, this, why was he drinking and driving? He doesn't normally do that. What happened? You know, this isn't how he normally acts. Like, how can I get him off the hook? You see, giving mercy is something that many of us don't do unless it affects us and affects our immediate family or our loved ones. But Jesus calls us to show mercy to everyone. He says, what good is it if you love those who love you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. So to those who have the gift of showing mercy, show it unreservedly. Give it to everyone and know that in doing so, you are emulating your heavenly father. Now, again, these are not an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts, but they are here to help you identify what gifts you do have. And once you are able to identify that, to use them and not to use them for yourself to make money or to do good or to get rewards that others can see you and rejoice, but to build the church and to use your gifts to glorify God. There's a story of the Pharisees who would often do good works so that Others may see them and may say, wow, those guys are great. But we are not called to be like that. Called to do good in secret, that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. 
and in doing so, you're being a good steward of all that he has blessed you with. Amen? Let me close us off in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the greatest gift of all, which is salvation, something that we did not deserve. We deserved your wrath, we deserved your punishment, and yet you have given us the gift of grace and love and salvation that we are no longer condemned to an eternity in hell, but we are alive in you and through you. And more than that, you've blessed us with these gifts, Lord, and we appreciate them and we yearn to identify and use all these things that you have given us to glorify you, to build your church, to build your body, Lord. Help us that you may make clear to us what it is that our gifts are and make an opportunity for us to use them. We pray, Lord, that for those who are here, for those who are not here, that you may uh, bless and protect and guide them. We worship you and praise you. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you were able to gain something valuable from it. I hope you were also able to, you know, identify your own spiritual gifts and how you can use those to build his kingdom and to serve his people. You know, you are the body of Christ. So if you like this episode and you want to keep listening, I'd recommend uh, episode number 36 is called Community Society's Way versus God's Way. And it kind of talks about the uh, the church and how you know community is in secular society and what a friend is in secular society versus what God calls us to. And then there's also episode 11, which we call the perfect church um, and whether there is a perfect church. And if you join that church, you, you know, you an imperfect being and me an imperfect being, would that church still be perfect? So uh, those are two awesome episodes that I'd recommend after this one. Uh, if you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into church and community and all that stuff. So, hey, thanks for listening and join us next time on another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Mm-hmm.